0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth, and I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Just a reminder that this podcast deals with adult content. So if you don't have total privacy, you might want to put on your headphones. Today, the letter is H, and H is for HIV, herpes, and other sexually transmitted infections. Yes, I know, not the most fun of subjects. However, this information is so important. So often information about sexually transmitted infections and sexual health is only accessed once. Many people never really learn much about the types of problems that can arise as a result of sex. We don't make learning about it sexy and people often prefer to avoid things that are unpleasant awkward, or might cause conflict. Today I'm going to take you through a grand tour of sexually transmitted infections and diseases. I'll describe the disease, how you transmit it and catch it, and any treatment available as well as how you can prevent it. I suggest that you get yourself tested on a regular basis. If you're in the United Kingdom, you can anonymously go to any GUM, that's Genito-Urinary medicine clinic, and get tested for all manner of sexually transmitted infection without even giving your name. It's free, there's no excuse not to do it, and it's best to know if something's going on because you can get yourself treated or you can get whatever you have managed if it's not curable. And then you can prevent passing on the infection. If you don't know that you've got something, then you're placing other people at risk when you have sex with them. So since we started doing this for the letter H, I'm going to start with all the diseases that begin with the letter H. Let's start with H, which is for hepatitis. A, B, C, D, and E. I understand there's also F now. So as you can see, hepatitis comes in at least five forms. Hepatitis is an inflammation and or infection of the liver. Your liver is the organ responsible for cleaning your blood, detoxifying chemicals you take in, metabolizing drugs, And your liver makes proteins that are needed for clotting. Acute hepatitis either resolves on its own or can progress to chronic forms. Chronic hepatitis can lead to liver scarring or liver cancer. And both can lead to liver failure in different circumstances. The most common causes of hepatitis are viruses. But some hepatitis can be caused by alcohol abuse, and there are also autoimmune disease caused, caused hepatitises. Hepatitis type A and E are spread primarily through contaminated food and water. Types B and C are bloodborne viruses and spread through needle sharing and sexual activity where there is access to the bloodstream. Type D only infects those who are already infected with type B. There are vaccinations for hepatitis A and B, but not for the rest. And any of you who have traveled um, to various parts of the developing world will note that in many cases, when you're getting travel vaccines, they recommend vaccines for hepatitis A and B. Prevention for those that are bloodborne, so that's B and C, is by having safe sex, and that is using barrier methods for all sexual activity, or by being abstinent. Now, you'll notice that throughout this podcast, I will mention that abstinence is one mention of prevention. Certainly, if you are not having sex, you cannot catch any of these sexually transmitted diseases. I'm not necessarily recommending abstinence, but it is a choice. There are a variety of treatments for hepatitis C now, and some can be quite successful. Because hepatitis can lead to liver failure and liver cancer, screening is essential, and treatment as early on gives the best chance for recovery. If you're diagnosed with hepatitis, you must abstain completely from alcohol. And limit your drug intake, including prescriptions and over-the-counter medication so that you decrease the stress on the liver. There are quite a few baby boomers who have hepatitis C and do not know it because it was not something that was routinely tested for. um, And it was not something that we were taught about. And pre-AIDS, many of us did not use condoms. If you're in the baby boomer age group, it's worthwhile to go and have a blood test and see if you're carrying hepatitis C because although it may remain asymptomatic for nigh on 50 years, it will take a toll on your liver. So it's really worth knowing. And then um, if you have it, you can look at treatment and also um, changes in lifestyle that will make it more likely that you can live a long and healthy life, avoiding, um, liver scarring, which is cirrhosis and avoiding, um, liver cancer. Herpes. H is for herpes. Now herpes comes in a variety of forms. There is a family of nine herpes viruses that attacks humans, and there are just as many that attack animals. Um, These include the herpes simplex viruses 1 and 2, varicella zoster, which is um, chickenpox, but also shingles when it comes back, Epstein-Barr, and there are a number of cytomegaloviruses, including um, Kaposi sarcoma, which is um, actually a, a form of a herpes virus but doesn't usually show up unless somebody um, has a depleted immune system like AIDS herpes simplex one and two are the ones that cause oral and genital herpes. Um, now many people think that, you know, if you have genital herpes, it's definitely herpes simplex two. Well, this isn't true. There's been a lot of cross contamination and, and, um, and cross fertilization. And so, um, It could just as equally be herpes simplex one virus that's manifesting on the genitals because it was transmitted during oral sex. These viruses are caught via skin to skin contact when the virus is active, which means from when the first tingling appears until new skin is grown after um, the blisters are gone and have healed. You can catch it in more than one place, but you'll rarely spread it through your own body. First outbreaks often involve flu-like symptoms as well as blisters and sores at the affected area. Some people have repeated outbreaks. Other people only ever have one. Six out of ten people in the United Kingdom have type 1 by the age of 25, and one out of ten have type 2. Most people who have herpes have mild or no symptoms and so don't know they even have it. Antiviral medication will prevent outbreaks and make them resolve more quickly. But they don't get cured. Um, Herpes virus is one of the ones that kind of lives in your nervous system and is dormant and then flares up. Um, This is how you get outbreaks of shingles when you're older. If you've had the, um, if you've had chicken pox, Uh, It lives dormant in the system and then can come back as shingles when you are an adult. If you're immunosuppressed, then that can come back earlier. Um, If you're not, it usually is something that comes back um, when people are over the age of 60, if it's going to come back. And there is now a vaccination for it. Although my understanding is the results are very variable in terms of whether or not the vaccination actually prevents the shingles. Um, Shingles is incredibly painful, so um, it is definitely one of those things that if you can avoid it, most people would like to. H is for HIV. HIV is a virus that attacks the immune system and weakens the body's ability to fight other viruses. There is no cure, but there are many treatments that help people to live long and healthy lives. AIDS is the last stage of the HIV infection. Early diagnosis and treatment of HIV prevents things moving on and becoming AIDS. HIV is contained in bodily fluids of infected people. You can contract it from having sex without a condom, from sharing needles, or there is also transmission from mother to child during pregnancy, birth, or breastfeeding. For the most part, HIV is spread through anal or vaginal sex, but it is possible for it to be spread through oral sex and sharing sex toys, although this is much rarer. There's medication that can prevent you from contracting the virus if you were exposed. This medication needs to be taken within three days for it to be effective. It's called PEP medication, and that stands for post-exposure prophylaxis. Now, this is by no means one simple pill and an easy thing to do. It's a course of medication. It's very strong medication. It has lots of side effects. But if it prevents you from contracting the virus and having to take a combination of medications for the rest of your life, it's a good thing to try to do if you know you've been exposed. You should be tested as soon as you believe you may have been exposed. And then again, one to three months after, as it can take this long for antibodies to show up in the blood. If you're sexually active with more than one person, it's advisable to get tested twice a year. Antiretroviral treatment can be extremely effective, bringing viral loads to undetectable. They use a combination antiretroviral treatment for HIV because it was found that um, the virus adapted to treatment of only one type too quickly. So the combination mixes things up and therefore remains effective. To prevent HIV transmission, abstain from sex or use a barrier method of prevention. So condoms and femidomes, gloves, use condoms on your toys even though that's a rare way of contracting and make sure to properly clean everything after use. Current National Health Service statistics for HIV in the UK, one in every 620 people has HIV. Two groups have the highest incidence of HIV, gay and bisexual men approximately 1 in 20, and black African heterosexuals approximately 1 in 56 men and 1 in 22 women. Of course, these statistics don't include those who are not yet diagnosed and don't know they're infected. The estimate for worldwide prevalence is 35 million people living with HIV, and the majority of these cases are in sub-Saharan Africa. At the moment, there are currently clinical vaccine trials going on in the United Kingdom and other places, but the ones I'm most familiar with are here. H is also for human papillomavirus, sorry. Most infections of HPV cause no symptoms and resolve spontaneously. In some, they produce warts or precancerous lesions. Nearly all cervical cancer is linked to two particular forms of HPV. HPV is the most common sexually transmitted infection globally. Most people are infected at some point in their lives, and there's now a vaccine that's very effective if given before infection. Um, and so this vaccine is usually given betw- uh, between the ages of nine and 13 or 14 um, before kids have had the opportunity to pick up this virus. Mm-hmm. Um, it is given in many countries for girls, um, and it, but it is also recommended for boys and useful for boys, um, although not available in all countries for boys. How do you avoid getting HPV? Don't have sex. Condoms can be helpful as well, but they're not 100%. Primarily because people don't always cover the areas in which signs of the infection are because they don't even know they have it. Gonorrhea. Now gonorrhea can infect men and women. This infection is incredibly common in 15 to 24 year olds now. Um, This includes a bunch of new antibiotic resistant strains, which is actually quite frightening. It can infect the genitals, rectum and throat. Most women with gonorrhea have no symptoms. Men may have burning when peeing and a discharge from the penis. Gonorrhea can be cured with antibiotics except for some of the drug-resistant strains, which take uh, a far more scattergun approach to get rid of. If you do not get treatment, women can contract pelvic inflammatory disease, which can lead to infertility. Men can get a painful condition in the tubes that are attached to the testicles. um, And this too can sometimes lead to infertility. Rarely, untreated gonorrhea will spread to the blood or joints, and that can be life-threatening. Again, How do you prevent yourself catching gonorrhea? Well, abstinence is a possibility. Um, Using condoms also works incredibly well. Condoms, femidoms, dental dams, gloves, all the barrier methods. Syphilis. This sexually transmitted disease is easily treated with antibiotics, primarily penicillin. If it's untreated, it can lead to neurological or heart forms and eventually to death. There's an eight to 58% death rate as a result of untreated syphilis. Uh, The third stage of syphilis causes non-cancerous growths that cause symptoms that mimic many other diseases um, because of where they grow syphilis can be prevented by using condoms as long as the chancre in the initial uh, stages is covered. Now, as you can see, with women, that might be more difficult. If the chancre is inside, it won't be, you won't know about it, and so transmission is more likely, because these aren't painful sores. They're just simply sores. Syphilis also increases the rate of transmission of HIV if you're exposed to HIV. Um, For a long time, um, syphilis was routinely treated. It's still screened for when people get married in certain parts of the United States, and it's also still screened for during pregnancy to prevent ongoing transmission. Chlamydia, this is a bacterial infection. Many people who are infected have no symptoms. This is one of the most common sexually transmitted infections. It affects 4.2% of women and 2.7% of men worldwide. In women, the infection untreated can cause ectopic pregnancy or pelvic inflammatory disease leading to infertility. The infection can be cured by antibiotics. Women who are sexually active should be screened yearly. Prevention, abstinence again, and also by condom use. Um, This infection has had a huge upsurface in in young people um, who um, felt that there was no need to engage in safe sex. Trichomonasis is an infection that's caused by a single-cell organism. Women are more likely to have it than men, although men can contract it. Um, It is easily treated. Um, Women who have the infection are more likely to become infected with HIV if exposed to HIV, so it's worth getting treated quickly. Crabs. Crabs are pubic lice. They're contracted by close contact with someone who has them or their bedding or their clothing, just as with other forms of life. They're treated in the same way that other lice is treated. Um, so, you know, usually fairly harsh chemical sprays, um, washing clothing and bedding at uh, very high levels of heat. Um, if you do not, if you bring them home and you do not uh, get treated, they will spread um and they can spread to other members through towels and bedding to other members of the family. So this is one of the ones that you want to pick up quickly and treat. It's easily eradicated. Scabies is a contagious skin condition, which is caused by a mite. Um, The mite burrows in and causes itching and then people scratch and they end up with big sores. This is caught by skin to skin contact or again with clothing or bedding of the infected person. This can be cured by the use of chemicals, and um, just as lice is cured, I think the chemicals are somewhat different. Um, again, this easily spreads when people are living close together. Bacterial vaginosis is caused by too much of a certain bacteria in the vagina. It's unclear how this imbalance occurs, but we know it rarely happens in women who are not sexually active, hence including it under sexually transmitted diseases. Um, having a new sexual partner or multiple partners, as well as douching raises the incidence of the imbalance, making the risk higher. It can resolve without treatment, but treatment's relatively easy. And since there are risks that go with leaving it untreated, it makes sense to treat it as quickly as possible. And the risks that go with leaving it untreated include a higher risk of contracting HIV if exposed, a risk of pelvic inflammatory disease, a higher risk of contracting chlamydia and gonorrhea if if exposed, and also a higher risk of premature delivery of a baby. The best way to prevent all infections, of course, is abstinence. But this is really no fun. The second best way is to have only one sexual partner who's been tested and found clear of all infections. And so for some people who are monogamous and stay monogamous and stay faithful, this works brilliantly if neither of you has any infections you're unlikely to get them with the exception of sometimes bacterial vaginosis because we really don't know what causes that imbalance and there are some hormonal things that can kick that up if you're a sexually active woman even if you're not having new partners if you're having more than one partner using barrier methods condoms femidoms Dental dams, gloves, that's the best protection, though it isn't perfect protection. If you want to go without barrier methods, get regularly tested and recognize you're running a higher risk of contracting infections. Make sure that you have a conversation about sexual health and safety with any partner that you decide to have sex with. Make sure it's a detailed conversation. Find out about their beliefs about using Barrier methods and their beliefs about safe sex. For example, lots of people believe that you don't need to use dental dams because most infections are not transmittable or oral to genital. And that's just not true. Um, Many infections have a lower transmission rate oral to genital, but there's still a risk. So this is the kind of conversation that you want to be having with new partners as to what, what safe sex actually means to them. Because otherwise, you might find yourself in a situation where to you, safe sex means dental dams. It means making sure that there's always a barrier method. And to, to them, safe sex when oral sex is involved means nothing. Then they're ex- being exposed to more people. Um, if they're being exposed to more people, sorry, then that means they're running a higher risk of contracting that infection and passing it on to you. Um, So that's important. If you're going to go without barrier methods, make sure you get regularly tested and recognize you're running a higher risk of contracting infections. Make sure that any decision you make factors in the risks. There's nothing in life that does not contain risks. So there's no judgment associated with making an adult decision to take a risk. As long as everybody who is involved in the risks, knows about it and agrees to take that risk. Balancing risks and accepting responsibility for your choices is the job of the adult and it leads to a more joy-filled life. I highlight this because there are times where people are non-monogamous and are not 100% honest about the risks that they're exposing other partners to. This isn't fair. It's not right. If you have an infection and you are aware of it, you need to talk to any potential partner about that and respect what they think they need to do in order to avoid infection. It's best to try and find out what your status is regularly. Recognize that not all um, tests are accurate, however. So, for example, you can be tested for HIV this month and be clean and have sex with nobody else and tested in three months and find that you've been exposed because the incubation period was not gone. Um, another example is of getting a, um, a positive um Uh, Sorry, a negative test for herpes and actually being positive because the antibody tests are routinely bad when it comes to herpes. Um, There are lots of false negatives and there are also lots of false positives. So somebody may decide not to take those tests. And in fact, in some areas, those tests are not available um, because the results are so difficult to predict. So these are the kinds of detailed conversations you need to have if you're going to have multiple partners to make sure that everybody's on the same page when you're talking about having sex. If you have these conversations with all of your partners, then you'll be in a much better position to assess risk. It's difficult when people choose to have more than one sexual partner. Um, because not everybody assesses risk in the same way and the impact is often on more than that one person the impact can be on many when it comes to sexually transmitted disease particularly um, if you are having sex with somebody who has a weakened immune system for whatever reason um, and they may be more susceptible to picking up an infection than somebody else who does not so it is important to consider these issues um, and consider them carefully when you're deciding how you have the safe sex discussion. It's been my experience that the safe sex discussion still doesn't happen a lot. um, Not nearly as much as we would like it to amongst heterosexual people. Um, But there are also many gay and bisexual folks, pansexual folks who also don't have this conversation in great detail. They're just more likely to um, than uh, heterosexual folks. I can't stress enough how important the conversation is to have, preferably before you have sex. Um, Condoms are uh, not a panacea. (laughs) And so it's really useful for you to know what's going on, even though you intend to use a barrier method of protection. I've noticed these days that um, the conversation is avoided because people say to themselves, well, we're going to use condoms anyway, so we don't have to talk about this awkward thing. It's good practice to talk about it. So I would uh, recommend that you do so. And if you find it really uncomfortable, come talk to someone like me, um, uh, a sex and intimacy coach, to help you kind of come to grips with that conversation, figure out what level of risk you want to take, and um, how you can present it to any new partner, and how you can manage the uh, bumps in the road that come from disagreements about what uh, safe sex truly means and, um, and what kind of protections that you want to take to keep you all healthy for the long term. Thanks for joining me this week for the A to Z of sex. Write in with your questions to Dr. Lori Beth, at a-to-z-of-sex.com and visit both websites, www.a-to-z-of-sex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X.com and the-intimacy-coach.com to learn about alternative sexual choices, kink, polyamory, types of sexual relationships, to learn to create that ideal, lasting, intimate relationship For a free 30-minute session with me, head over to a-to-z-of-sex.com and click on the button that says Book Now. You might join us for the webinar, the A-to-Z-of-Sex webinar. Head over to to the website and click on the link to register. It's a free one-hour webinar that will be happening mid-June. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher, and please subscribe. Join me next week when the letter will be I, and I is for infidelity. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to The A to Z of Sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes, and make sure you head over to www. Dot a to z of sex dot com that's a t o z o f s e x to subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex sexuality desire and intimacy Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.